And welcome to the New Age Watson Podcast. With me, Andy White, and with me, as always... Back! Back for good! One week off and we're back! We're reinvigorated! <laughs> We've had significant technical challenges to overcome this week to bring you the New Age Boxing Podcast to its full capacity. Um, with us on the line, all the way from a land far, far away, Terry Chapandama. <laughs> If you knew how hard it was to, mate, if you think if you think how hard it is to find a cornetto here, all the places. Really? I mean, it's almost like they weren't made in in Italy after all. Mate, mate, so so so. There's a shitload of ones that look like Cornetto. There's not a Wolf Factory. Really bland names. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like they have their own version the of ice cream. I love that fact that that's somehow <laughs> shocking. <laughs> like finding Fosters in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> have they got Goodfellas pizzas? Yeah, that's a good point. Actually. They got Domino's. You knee deep in Domino's. <laughs> Chicago town. Yeah. <laughs> Well, welcome uh, back from our brief hiatus where we left purely, purely because of the fight that uh, Martin and Terry hated. What fight? I'm not discussing it. <laughs> well, we're going to have to speak about it at some stage because we've got no, questions for it. Fuck it. Well, you can ignore Wait, you sound question. like a marriage counsellor. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you have to speak about it at some point. You're going to have to face up to it at some point as it will come back to bite you. Um. Yes, okay, so I guess we go and dive in straight in, unless you're going to, um, has this got anything else? No, what have you been up to, to for the weekend, Andy? You haven't told us, you normally, what's, what uh, Tinder escapades we got? No, actually, Tinder's been quiet on the Western Front, to be honest. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I'm a bad dog, just doing what I, <laughs> <laughs> I No, I, I literally have nothing interesting to report. I went out for a drink last night and it was boring as hell. I was in bed before midnight. So I went down to, I was in Bournemouth for work on Friday. Went to a meeting all day from like nine until four. Was it supposed to be all day? Yeah, I was oh, okay. doing some training down there. Wife and kids go down <laughs> with me. They sit on the beach all day. They go to an aquarium. Beautiful weather on Bournemouth Beach. Look lovely. They've got a RAF flyover and then they've got like the red arrows come along. That was good of you to arrange all that, mate. It's really, yeah. I mean, like most husbands wouldn't have done that. So I know my wife listens into yeah. this. So, you know, she had to keep four children occupied. I'm a- it's the sort of thing you probably remind her on a daily basis, but she's a lucky lady. Yeah, yeah. What she didn't realize, I was in, I was in one of those planes, <laughs> having your meeting. I've got a meeting in an RAF tornado, sweetheart. So let's all go Bournemouth. <laughs> it could be a coincidence. Don't know. You, you decide. Um, Terry, can you top that? <laughs> I Not on this podcast, but unofficially, probably. I flew him to Italy. <laughs> Back in half hour. <laughs> flying planes complete it mate <laughs> anyway boxing what are we doing okay right let's start off with um, 
I'll save that tasty uh, fight from last week until we come to the question for it. But um, the next gen show, let's talk about that. No, let's talk about Mayweather instead. It's better than this shit. <laughs> Was it that bad? <laughs> oh, I mean, to be fair. I haven't. It was one of those nights I just followed it on Twitter rather than bothering to find a stream for it because I could not be. When you look at it and you've got Connor Ben facing Kane Baker, Joe Cordina facing Jamie Spate. Jamie Spate has just been stopped by Reese Bellotti very recently, and Joe Cordina, who's a highly decorated amateur who's knocking people out left, right, and centre and far heavier than Jamie Spate. There was only ever going to be one outcome to that. Um, Jamie Spate won. <laughs> He walked off his arm. First round knockout. Um, you know, you've got a Coley Boazzi on there. A Coley got tested. Did you see it, Terry? So, so weirdly enough, I've I've now seen all the fights. Um, and I'm I'm in two minds. I I genuinely think, and we're discussing this in a pub. There's a few lads out on the stag do, so we're out in the pub discussing this. My my take on it actually is. If that wasn't televised, if someone said Eddie Hearns just hired out a village hall somewhere and he's got his lads fighting some journeymen, that wouldn't that wouldn't have actually been a good that would have been a good show. Absolutely. Like, yeah, all right. But it's the bullshit associated with it where they overinflate what it actually is, which then begs the question: Why wouldn't Hearns just loan his fighters out and go, Steve Goodwin, there you go, you got Joe Cordina for three dates, um, Dennis Hobson. Take Lawrence Coley, take Josh Boatze, let them get some northern time up there. Let them build their profile, fight some of these tough northerners like Blaze, for example. Let, let them do the circuit for a year. Yeah. And let's not see them. Let's just hear little rumors of them knocking people out. Let's see a few grainy YouTube clips of them starching people. That's what we need. This idea that Eddie Hearn can package a bunch of raw novices, which is what they are. The idea that you can package those up into a show that I'm going to dedicate time out of my weekend to watch. It's absolutely insane. And that's not to be disrespectful to guys like Jake Ball. But what I am saying is there's a really strong argument for loaning these guys out to promoters. The, the headline fight of that, I mean, on paper, if you look at it, was Jake Ball versus Joe Sheriff, which was an eliminator for the light heavyweight title, the English light heavyweight title. I know they didn't make that the headline fight, but that, you know, on paper was. Um then this Saturday coming on a Goodwin show, the kind of the main fight on that or the biggest um, title being fought for on that is the English title, the one that was an eliminator on a Sky show. Steve Goodwin's got the elimin, uh, sorry, the actual English title between Joel McIntyre and uh, Liam Conroy. So, like, you're absolutely right, Terry, that what he's put together isn't in isolation terrible. It's just I don't need to see Conor Ben knocking over Kane Baker live on TV because it's pointless. It's a pointless exercise. Like one lad, again, you go back to the last Conor Ben fight where he's fighting the ship worker at 24 hours notice or whatever. They're just getting these lads in with like 4-0 records so that they can build up Conor Ben as this destruction machine. Conor Ben, who's a full-time athlete, training six hours a day or whatever, taking on some lad who's... You know, probably working up the scaffolding Monday to Friday. It's embarrassing that they're they're yeah. building it up so much. Exactly. No, no issue with what Conor Ben's doing. I'm like, look, have 15 bouts if you need them. Have no problem with that, mate. Just go away and do it somewhere. Yeah. Even if you go to spend six months in America fighting on club shows, there, go away and do it so we don't have to see it. And that's not being disrespectful. It's just saying 
if I get a full Conor Ben fight, I get to really assess and judge him, which isn't fair at the stage of his career. If I see a few grainy Twitter clips of him throwing a few combinations, I get excited and I go, actually, do you know what? He's coming along nicely. Let's see what happens next. Um, this putting these guys on the in the limelight, fucking JD Sports in Oxford Street, having all these guys like they've given them everything so soon, and it's it's not good for them, and it's clearly not a good sign for Eddie Hearn because it smacks of desperation at the moment. What are the um, long term negative repercussions, potential or definitive, for continuing with these crap shows? Given the negativity with which you guys have talked about it, what's the long-term repercussions, uh, if any, from continuing to to put these on? You find a Josh Taylor. Eventually, they'll find a Josh Taylor. And then, boom, it all crumbles again. Yeah. See, what they should be doing with this is putting it on... If they're going to broadcast it, put it on Facebook. Put it on a free-to-air platform and give these lads the exposure that... You know, some of them do require, some of them don't require. Um, but yeah, Terry's right. Like, you're not building them correctly. You're building them. I mean, Jake Ball, I think, as I said, I haven't seen it, but he's come through a 10 rounder against Joe Sheriff. I think, was it 97 uh, 93, the scores? And by the sounds of it, he kind of tired towards the end, Jake Ball. Um, so good. Like, that's a good learning fight for him. After the McDonough fight, where he got starched in that. You know, good. Like, get him back on the track and get him some tougher fights to build him up correctly. But Actually, I'll be, I'll be intrigued. Um, I, know, I know Jake's people listen to this. What happened in that fight? Because it looked like he ran out of juice completely. Punched output went down. And then in, the, in like the last couple of rounds, he seemed to have a second win. He, he, he broke his hand. Usual. He broke his hand. Okay. So, the, so there was an injury. Early on. About third round, I think. There's a lot to talk about on that show. Because I... You know, I'm, I'm close to the Brian O'Shaughnessy camp, so, I mean, my views here are not a secret. I think it's time Lawrence O'Cody started realising, you know, boxing's a business as well as a sport. And while he doesn't have to like Isaac Chamberlain, he's not doing his own bank account any good by not heaping praise on Isaac Chamberlain. So, for example, Andy, if I'm boxing you down the line and I know I've got to fight you at some point... <laughs> You're probably not that worried. No, no. Even if I even if I know I'm going I'm going to beat you. Look at what Mayweather did. Mayweather did it perfectly. Yeah. We don't know if Floyd likes or hates Conor McGregor, but every time you spoke to him about Conor McGregor, he's a hell of a champion. You know, yeah. he, he he found the most arcane and obscure ways of making <laughs> us believe McGregor was good. Yeah, he's never been knocked out, stood up. You remember that one? Yeah, he was. He, yeah, he did have this like. You'd, whenever you looked at Mayweather, he didn't look remotely bothered or phased. Like uh, as it happens, I was watching. Uh, I was watching uh, the undercard today, and as I was trying to flick through Sky, um, uh, flick through the program because it's about five hours long, and there was a part where they go to the the dressing rooms, and Mayweather's there, get a head massage out. <laughs> yeah, and like. And they're like um, Carl Froch and, and Tony Bellew, I think, on there saying, he must be feeling the pressure. And they're thinking, <laughs> must he? Like, <laughs> if he's that, you know, looking back, there's no reason why he shouldn't be supremely confident. And if that's the case, um, which it seems, seems to be, 
yeah, he's he's not, he's going to be chilled out to fuck, which is exactly what it seemed to be. But, but you're right, but Terry. Remember. He did build it up to make it at least. To, I think what he was doing was giving enough so that those people that wanted to believe that he was giving respect because he was worried about it could read into those statements. Basically, wasn't it? So exactly. And 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 that's what Lawrence should be doing. Lawrence should be there going. I know people want me to fight Isaac Chamberlain. Yes, but. Isaac's doing good things over there. Not my business. I'm focused on my own situation here. I want him to keep on winning. I want him to look good. I want him to just I want him to be a star because I'm going to be a star. And when we meet over here, you guys are going to want to pay to see us fight. That is all you have to do. And that's how I, I use this term so often. That's how you keep the money in the sport. You can't be there like... I come in, the post-fight interview was... I showed I had real punching power, unlike some cruiserweights in here. And I thought, no, <laughs> no. And, and then you've got Isaac Chamberlain there with Eddie Hearn. And Isaac's just there like, come on, man, really? But it must be, it must be hard in this era whereby IFL wants to put out a video every day saying heated beef, intense beef, etc. As a boxer, to get that balance right between trying to build up what looks like a legitimate beef and trying not to ruin your opponent, your opponent's name value before you even get into the ring. Like, it must be difficult to get that right. But let, let, let's look at it like this, right? In one stable, you've got Jake Ball, Josh Boatze, and Frank Bullioni. Let, we'll ignore, we'll ignore the, the northern guys for now, the, the Gallagher Rats. We'll ignore those for a second. Please. But <laughs> if you're Jake Ball... You're, you're trying to look at Buglioni, but then you also got to look back and go, but he's coming after me as well. And 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 if you haven't got your business head on going, how do we all eat from this? It can turn into a complete disaster. And and th th these are the things like I've said. I say this to young fighters coming up all the time. Think about the money before you think about your feelings. You might not like that person, but if that's how you're going to eat. Be very, very careful with what you do because you can ruin a fight. Look, who wants to see Kell Brook, Amir Khan? Amir Khan every time savages it. Oh. It's, it... I don't, the thing is, I, I actually object to... I'd, I'm, I'd almost pay someone else to stop Khan from cashing in on some stupid payday. That's how, you'll, I, be, you'll be there in the sweet Caroline suit. No, I really detest him. I really do. Um, just because he's 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 been such a wet flannel with his career, I just I, I, no, I don't like him at all. I really, I'm cashing in now. I just want to. Do you wish he just made like a ghost? Yeah, yeah, that would be lovely to have him just and stop talking as though he's relevant. He hasn't put any <laughs> effort into being relevant, so he's not relevant. So stop talking like you are. Who saw the interview? There's an interview with him with uh, Boxing News Online yesterday that they published where he was criticising Kell Brook as somebody who's been chasing a payday for the last yeah, few I years. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pot and Kell, you yeah, fucking hypocrite. You fucking hypocrite. Like, and then do you know what I mean? It was, and it, was, it, was it was chasing two fighters that were like, "Who the fuck are you? I'm not fighting you, you knob." Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was just baffling to read it. It's like you've done nothing for two years since getting iced by Canelo, 
All you've done is talk about wanting to fight Mayweather or Pacquiao. Yeah, you've done fact nothing. Mayweather has gone, you know what? You're so irrelevant that somebody who doesn't even box is more relevant than you for me to fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute madness. Oh, he's an idiot. I really don't like him at all. Um, Go for his wife. Do an AJ. Oh, sorry, AJ didn't do that, did he? Allegedly. I don't know uh, any of what. I don't know what to read into that. Like, did it happen? Didn't it, was, it happen? Well, it was, she's it was pregnant, isn't she? She's, preg- she's pregnant. So Is she? we'll know in nine months. What was that? <laughs> we will. We will. <laughs> Imagine the baby comes out at seventeen pounds. <laughs> Definitely can't. <laughs> We'll have a far better idea in nine months. pounds. An absolute expert on Microsoft Excel. <laughs> <laughs> we could do it pre-birth. <laughs> well, that, well, we could do a paternity test, but stick in front of a PC first and see if he picks up Excel. Then we'll definitely know who he is. Um, well, so we finished on the next-gen card? Um, who else was on of any interest? Well, well Boatsy was on there. Um... He went the distance, didn't he? The... Again, uh, having not seen it, I can't. No, 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 no. I think I think got stopped in the fifth. Oh, did it? But but I was looking at the guy, and I don't know if the guy is just freakishly like rebrasse tough, or Josh just couldn't get him out of there quick enough. But the guy just looked to be taking all kinds of shots. So it'll be interesting to see what they do next with Joshua Bartzi because that that wasn't really the main event they wanted. You know, they wanted that two three round knockout it's spectacularly. <laughs> But, but this guy just wasn't giving but in. You think back to that first Buancy, um his debut. It, it was the same thing in that, wasn't it? He was landing and landing and landing what looked like good, clean, crisp shots. And that geezer got up like he was dead at one point and then he rose. <laughs> he rose from the canvas and got back up and fought again. So Wasn't that like it, it hit eight? <laughs> he jumped up. <laughs> he did like Shawn Michaels used to do. <laughs> <laughs> flipped off his back and like he was up but uh, I don't know like clearly it's only Buatzi's second fight so let's give him time to develop preferably off camera but that's clearly not going to happen um, but yeah and then just just touching on the Akoli fight again a lot of people are going to give him stick for his performance but having been in the ring with Blaze personally two things number one Blaze was having fun in there just just to be absolutely clear, he was having fun in the ring. Anyone who saw the fight, he was having fun in the ring. Because when I used to do work with him, he was 105 kilograms. And that version of Blaze that, that absconded from the Cameroon training camp in the Olympics, that version of Blaze that was just hungry for everything, it, it wouldn't have gone three rounds. So I think people need to remember that he fought Daniel Dubois and he, he weighed in at like 93, 94 kilograms or something ridiculous like that against Daniel Dubois. So Lawrence did well against what I think, I think Blaze is probably, he's, he's our version of Carson Jones, a guy who in another world is probably cruiserweight champion somewhere. Um, just on that, Pool J, L Pool J, um, says with, with a Coley looking gassed, and naive in a six-rounder, how long do you think it will be before he fights Chamberlain? I think they keep them apart for a long time. I think they keep Akoli yeah. away from anyone for a long time. Albeit, the only thing that I would say possibly stops them from being kept apart or stops Akoli from getting beaten is that 
Matchroom have got plenty of people at that weight. They've got plenty of people that are cruiserweight, and they've got Joshua Bats- Buatzi who will move up, I'd imagine, in time into a cruiserweight. There are many people that Hearn is able to call upon. He can even move Bellew back down, but ultimately he's got to throw them into the deep end at some point. And perhaps, you know, we started to see it last season a little bit, taking these tougher fights. I wonder if, I mean, basically they're going to take, at some point they've got to take a view as to whether a Coley is as good as they hope he is or whether he's someone who leaves his chin out a little bit and gasses over a six-rounder. And if that's the case, they're not going to hold on to him for all that long. So maybe they will, you know, give him a bit of a sink or swim fight and see how it goes. So so I, I, I'll stick up for a Coley and say this. I think one of the hardest things you can face in the ring is that moment when you hit someone with your hardest shot and they just nod and go, thank you, that was nice psychologically, like, if you've been blitzing guys in the first round and all of a sudden you've got this, this 14 and a half stone Cameroonian guy who who doesn't drop unless he's just larking around, like, he's he's very tough to break down. You go back to your corner and you're like, shit, I didn't, A, I didn't want to be in this position, B, I haven't been here before. You know, and then you start thinking the crowd are going to think I'm letting them down, and as the rounds go on, psychologically, you you go through that battle. I think he had to go through it, and I'd rather he goes through it before he's had his 10th bout. So let's see what happens in the next one. Give him another tough cruiserweight who's not going to fall down. And then let's see what he does when that guy doesn't fall down. Would he go back to... And I had a brief chat with you know, one of his campmates. So I had a brief chat with Uma about this. And I said, sometimes you just got to go back to what actually works. And if Lawrence had just stayed on the one-two and said, I'm just going to hit you with the one-twos, it might be boring to the fans, but eventually one of these right hands is going to break you and then I'll take you out. But he has to get to that point in terms of his boxing education where that becomes a default decision he makes. But I'm still quite high on Okoli just because he has all the tools. It's just about putting them together, delivering on the big stage. Uh, British Boxing Blog asks, in hindsight, should Yarde have faced Burton? Without no, hi- no. <laughs> without no. hindsight, should he have faced Burton anyway? <laughs> no, no. Listen, I've said it, right? I said this on Twitter. Anthony Yarde is just going to do pad work and a bit of shadow in the ring, and every fan is going to be delighted. Yeah? You, you are going to see the fastest combinations you've ever seen. Pay-per-view, yeah? huh? We'll be charging for that. I think so. It'll be educational. He doesn't need opponents anymore, right? <laughs> He's actually going to win a belt just doing pad work. I've decided this. Just pad work. Forget all of these 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 UK level bums. Forget well, all of those guys. Will it be down to He's the way that, pad work? Will it be down to the way that he sells the pads as the opponent? <laughs> How long will the pads last? <laughs> will they get through one round? <laughs> well, 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 well. We have three different sets of pads being selected at this point. So it's all about durability at this stage. So let's not move away from this too quickly, by the way. Um, I just want to make the point. Anthony Yardo fights in two weeks. Two weeks. Now, we were promised. Do you remember that press conference they did that was slightly mad that they had Daniel Dubois and Anthony Yarde to have a press conference about <laughs> Frank about, Buglioni, yeah, about a fight, fight that wasn't happening. Like, ignore the politics, etc. During that press conference... And it's, it's a fact. I'm not saying this like anything that wasn't said. We were told by Frank Warren 
that the opponent, Frantony Yarde, for two weeks' time on the undercard of Billy Joe Saunders will be world-ranked higher than Frank Buglioni. Right now, well, they announced Ryan Ford um, as the opponent. And now Ryan Ford isn't the opponent. Ryan Ford is fighting in Canada next week, so he won't be the opponent. Even though it was announced, and I looked through the Twitter feed yesterday of the Frank Warren uh, Twitter account, it was announced that it would be Ryan Ford. And then nobody's ever like retracted that. <laughs> but he's fighting in Canada next Saturday, and it won't be Ryan Ford. At two weeks' notice, he's fighting TBA. Um, so unless TBA has... Wow. Lept up those world rankings. Well, he does have a lot of fights, to be fair uh, he to He does. He's often on next-gen cards. Um, but he usually loses. <laughs> he usually l- loses. He usually loses, but, you know... And he's usually a Romanian taxi driver. <laughs> let's be clear about this. This isn't a pop at Anthony Yarde at all. It's a pop at the fact that if you're going to promote the man and build him up to be this monster, at least do it properly. At least get the opponents in that you promised. <laughs> at least if you're going to run a press conference about a fight that's not happening, to tell us about a fight that's not happening, to tell us about hypothetical opponent that gets cancelled for whatever reason then please at least get him a legitimate fight that we can watch they've pulled out of the Burton fight for their own reasons they justified during this press conference for whatever reasons and now yeah, we're left but why is Callum Johnson ducking him why is Frank Bugley only ducking him nobody's like, ducking anyone what, what, for fuck's sake fuck no oh they're doing what the board asked. The board asked for Buglioni to fight Callum Johnson. Nobody is ducking well, anyone. John McIntyre's ducking. Everyone's ducking. John McIntyre's ducking. Like, <laughs> I genuinely think. I, I honestly, I genuinely think. Right, right now, Anthony Yard and Guillermo Rigandau. Like, I think Rigandau looks at Anthony Yard and goes, "I feel sorry for you, mate. You are more avoided than I am." <laughs> I suppose, yeah, but he's lucky because he's ranked number eight by the WBO. He ought to be looking at number seven, no, 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 five, no. four, three, two, one. Go no. forward. Num- n- number seven because Scoglin's gone down to one, six, eight. Oh, uh, number seven. Oh, he's got even limited, go. more limited options now. Go for Ward. Fuck it. He's the best of all time. But, but this is progress, though. See, see, look, look. What other boxer can move up the rankings? He doesn't even need to fight. Paul Smith. <laughs> oh, yeah. Paul Smith now, got to six. Now there's an option. Yeah, get Smith in there. Oh yeah, look. I I just wish for Anthony Yarde's benefit that it was working out slightly better. I look, look. I I, I know I lark around when I talk about Anthony Yarde because I, I genuinely think the guy's the real deal. I think if if Eddie Hearn is casting lustful glances at him. I would respond in kind and I would move over there. I don't think Warren knows what to do with him. Anthony Yard's a guy who, hand on heart, might just need to do what Nigel Benn did after his loss to Eubank and just go to America for a year. Just go and fight on Fox Sports 1. Go and fight on all these channels we don't really watch. Just go and fight on those guys. Go and get those tough Philadelphia fighters, right? Go and get those guys. Go and get your seasoning. Do your eight rounds, your 10 rounds, your 11 rounds. Then come back. Because there's so much expectation on him in the UK. There's so much risk for him in the UK. There's so much risk for other British fighters in the UK. He's never going to get that development he needs. And if I was Josh Boatsy, I'd be watching and I'd be going... They might try that with me too. But I imagine Hearn's got a bigger war chest, so it's a bit easier. But here's the problem. You've you've got a TV deal that's being built 
clearly being built over the next few years. Like you've got the headline acts at the moment, like Billy Joe Saunders, Terry Flanagan, maybe one day if he ever takes a fight. Well, uh, and Billy, potentially Dom Billy Joe Saunders could be labelled as that well, until yeah, recently. Yeah. Um, Josh Warrington, who they're pushing for uh, the man who failed a cocaine test, Derek Kalen. Um, but, you know, underneath that, they're clearly trying to build and anchor the channel around Dubois and Yarde. And so they need to do this properly. And I don't... I can't even argue against the fact that they're not doing it properly. Like... They're just not doing it properly, and I feel for, I feel for Yade out of it. Dubois, he's doing well. Like I, I like the route they're taking with. I don't like the AJ Carter fight purely for Carter's health and safety out of it, but um, you know they're, they're building him okay, and they're going to build him as a knockout artist and a monster. But for Yade, you can't be having someone that is your one of your brightest shining lights in your stable, and at two weeks' notice, after all of the hype that we've been given around it, he's fighting TBA. You, you can't do that. It doesn't work. Can I, can I throw but yet a theory? They can and they do. <laughs> so, 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 my theory is this, and I've applied this to Matchroom before, because you see it with Matchroom. When they hit a cash flow cliff, the fights tend to get crap. So, excuse me, you were expecting Joshua to fight, what, October 28th? Something around that time. 27th, 28th is when Joshua's meant to be fighting Pulev. You have to put a shitload of money into that. So there's a lot of working capital that goes into securing the venue, the logistics, the cost behind that, having to secure the fighters' purses and stuff like that. So you normally expect that in the intervening time, the fights aren't that great. So up until Josh's fight, it's normally quite wank. And then you have a couple of months where it's shit, and then it gets good again. I think we'll warrant this Billy Joe Saunders thing has probably cost him more than he had planned. So he probably hasn't got the budget to get a Ryan Ford, or if nothing else, he hasn't got the budget to to secure the money up front for Ryan Ford. So I think Yard might be suffering for that. I think Dubois might be suffering for that. So let's see <clears throat> what happens with the BT money. Will the BT money make it easier to work your cash flow? Because remember, Warren has quite deep cards as well. So I don't know. There's definitely something not right financially here because it's like, Jesus Christ, you've got Anthony Yard, the face of Maxi Muscle, you know, the, yep. I mean, <clears throat> one of the brightest lights in boxing, and you're not doing him right. Yeah. It's a concern. There was something that prompted me in there. I had a question. It's not uh, on the list, the uh, question we've had, but I was out and about last week, and somebody uh, asked me to ask a question to Terry How much does a small hall show? cost to put on before you put any fighters on it i've got a view on this fucking hell mate. like i love the fact that he bypassed you the expert it was like nah i'm <laughs> that i'm that mouthy buff i'm that want, mouthy they buff. wanted your view on the back of the stuff about saying steve goodwin should be putting on the uh, the drug testing and that and putting the money on top okay. of that so um, what was the capital investment before you paid any fighter just to get the show on I'm going to say about 10 to 15K. Fair one. I know the answer. I know you do. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. That was a guess. I didn't give him it. Like, out of principle. I was like, you're not going to ask me. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so fuck you, guy. <laughs> There's somewhere between 20 and 25. Yeah. And and, and um, I imagine Steve's not creaming that much off the top of that as a profit. Probably two and a half, three grand. 
Yeah. So no, sorry, it was just something that was uh, brought up the other day that I remembered when you said about running cackle. Sorry. Right. So who, no, who, who asked it? Don't, don't let's talk about transparency here. I mean, they, they know where I am. Uh, no, gov- no government names, Terry. Sorry, mate. <laughs> 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 um, I'd like to know where the bulk of that money goes. Well, it's stuff like uh, hire the venue, getting anaesthetists, doctors, um, security, insurances. Something that some boxing promoters have to even worry about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, layouts of the seats, the... um, all the barriers that come down, and stuff, like everything that goes in. I suppose that venue would be a bulk, wouldn't it? I guess. Uh, or the if I had to take a punt, I think York Hall is probably around between two to four grand. I think for for hiring, I might be wrong. Oh, on that. Okay, but uh, why don't people have their weddings there? <laughs> I, I, if you're it's a quite boxer, cheap, isn't it? To be fair. There. Uh, yeah, having <laughs> having got married in the very like you know fairly recent past. Don't yeah. tell the bride special. Yeah, that's now that's now making me regret Why my decisions. Why don't people get married there? <laughs> I know, Terry. Okay. Um, no, 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 no. Because someone will marry uh, a Chantal Cameron, a Shannon Courtney, and I'd like to feel that those ladies will go. No, no, we'll do it at your hall. <laughs> you can get a wedding license for like a few quick, can't you? Job done. Yeah, I'll go. I'll definitely go to that wedding. I don't know what my role will be, but I'll definitely get those weddings. <laughs> Groom, my friend. I feel like we might be straying slightly. <laughs> um, um, Craig at Fight Talk. Craig, my man, my man. Foreign hey, name. Craig. You know, no, I got, I got, I got to shout out Craig, man. Like, I mean, he he digs out these really obscure UK hip hop references, and like the fucker made me listen to Champions of Nature. I listened to their fucking album today. Now, any actually, no, no, I'll take that back. It's not a bad album, actually. So, if anyone can get hold of the Champions of Nature album, wait, what's it's on YouTube? Have some fun. How old is it? The album. 2004. Because Craig's about 12. <laughs> He's about 12. What's he doing listening to albums like from 13 years ago? It's before he was born. Um, yeah, no, he's living. He's no, living right Craig, now. Craig is a legend of a man. Gets quality interviews for Fight Talk platform, uh, along with Sam O'Reilly. Also a top, top man. I'll see him next weekend and give him my love in person. All right, thank you. I Craig. might come just to see Sam. I want his autograph. I want an autograph fight talk t-shirt. <laughs> Craig feels suitably fellatioed. Uh, following the next gen card. next Saturday when I see him. <laughs> <laughs> you animal. Anyway. <laughs> fuck's sake. Anyway. Um, look, we've already been we've already People been criticized. People ask us why we don't get sponsored yeah, for this We've already been criticised for not being polished enough. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? This is brilliant because I'm working my way through this bottle of Italian brandy while I do this. Like, just, oh my God. <laughs> it's just heightening the experience. What are we like 30, 35 minutes in? You're about to see a steep decline. Um, <laughs> just a quick shout out to squaremile.com who gave us, who we made the list of the. Yeah. Um, yes. yes. Max, Max, listen. So, 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 so Max is based in London. If you guys are about, let's grab them for a drink. If not, Max, hit me up. I'm available. I'm not that far from you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, the platform, um, just listen. Thanks to everyone who's putting us on because we appreciate the little intros, the little moments. We really appreciate that. Oh, because yeah. as you all know, the system's trying to shut us down. <laughs> I mean, they don't want to I mean, the truth. yes. 
Yes, they are. <laughs> Them. So no, fair, like Max sent us a message saying about it, and uh, yeah, eternally grateful for that because they've got a phenomenally yeah. huge platform, and to be including their list of podcasts yeah. you must listen to, along some like some of the names in that list were awesome. Um, so yeah, our little setup. And, and, and just to remind people, like the thing, the great thing about the Square Mile magazine is it's read by people that work in the Square Mile. So you're you're exposed to lawyers, bankers hedge fund man you're exposed Ooh, to shit, those lawyers. people <laughs> nice one square mile cheers uh, you've done us a real favor there haven't yeah. you maybe they can help us <laughs> no yeah. it would be on help some, some, some pro bono work um anyway back to um thank you very much for including us on your uh, what was it? List of podcasts, podcasts you should be listening yeah. to. So no, that is sound. Absolutely Thank sound. you very very much. Uh, but back and to... the Telegraph as well. Let's not forget the Telegraph as well. Yeah, they they published Terry's work. Who who sorted that out for you, Terry? I can't remember. Very, very <laughs> heroic man. Oh, yeah, Do you know what? Right. Uh, no, 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 the no, undefeated no, no. white collar boxer. No, 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 no. Hand on heart. No, no. The guy who really helped me was a man called Titan. <laughs> Mia Bold. He's a legend. He is a legend. <laughs> we don't see him, but we always hear from him. But, yeah. but honestly, Tyson Mia Bold is the only other person who can have a lunch without Hayden. <laughs> it was a phenomenally interesting piece that you or piece that you were involved in. I know you didn't write it yourself, but yeah, it was hugely interesting. The build up to Mayweather McGregor and what Mayweather would have been doing in camp. And uh, yeah, go and find it. Do you know what? Do you know what? Do you I actually regret going. He's just going to get his head rubbed for about 10 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Including the half hour before I the I love fight. the fact that they were looking at him beforehand and going, yeah, he looks a bit flabby, you know, he's like, you could tell he's a bit of an older man. And then and then he totally schooled McGregor and you're like, so even as a slightly older man that's out of shape and you've already said he's a bit flabby and Conor McGregor was huge, he's a huge man. Yeah, still the to How wide was that stance though? Like, wow. It was pretty good. Not um, as wide as it should have been. He'd have won if it was wide. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hit a man doing the splits. I did quite like the uh, but, occasional but, MMA holds from the rear. <laughs> like, Connor. And the hammer fist. <laughs> yeah. I like the fact he, like, I lost count of how many times he turned him round with gyrating him almost. You know how, like, Broner did it to Maidana and then Maidana did it in return? <laughs> And then you've got like McGregor just holding him from behind. I was waiting for some kind of suplex or like yeah, just that really been weird. Sweet. That would have been sweet. Really weird. Um But, then, but one of the things I did want to say though about about the Mayweather thing. It's a reminder uh, can to we, you to, Oh sorry. No, okay. I just want I, I realise that I've led us down this path, but I just want to get we've got <laughs> one more question, one more point on next okay. gen. Oh we still don't ask Craig's question. No. We started this five minutes ago. And it's a pretty simple, straightforward one. But anyway, no. following the next gen card, is it only me that sees no defensive progression or patience in Connor Ben's work? Many have spoken of his improvements, end quote but he still seems intent on having a tear-up in the centre of the ring, and surely he'll be found out soon. I didn't see it, so I can't comment. But it just sounds exactly um, like every other Conor Ben fight that I've seen. Um, <laughs> no, I right, can right, comment right. on the I, ones I, I have I, seen, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll choose my words carefully. I, I'm sure Portugal was the reality check <laughs> How is of that reality cool? checks. So, so I, think, I think Portugal was that, you know, you've you got to protect yourself at all times. I, I've said it before with Connor. Um, I was on the I was, I was talking to one of the guys I used to train yesterday. We had a quick conversation, and we're talking about how excited we are to see Mason Smith turn pro if and when he does. 
And the reason we're excited is Mason Smith is one of the rare boxers now who's had over 100 bouts. And I've said it on this podcast before, those 100 bouts are 100 opportunities to make mistakes where a handful of people are going to see you do it. Conor Ben is making his mistakes in front of thousands, if not millions of people. It's not how I would want someone to develop but there's obviously a marketing angle to this. He's sponsored by Reebok. Shouts out to Reebok for the for the box jump equipment. Mate, box jumpers through the roof, 110 centimeters right now. Feeling good. But the thing is, Connor is doing this. And he's a raw novice in my eyes. And he's having to do this in the public eye. And I don't think it's fair on him. I don't think it's fair on boxing. So I understand what Craig's saying. But I don't expect him to be anywhere near rounded till about 2019 2020 that's when i'll look at him and go let me judge whether this guy has what it takes it might all derail before then but that's my window of looking at him um riku heikler riku my man he's away on holiday um, where's he gone uh, i'm not sure i can give that information out i don't know why he like he's following into a time. country yeah <laughs> yeah no he's sending me videos of uh, what's going on over there so good man um is he I hope he, you know, I hope he's, he's staying safe out there, you know. He's anyway, all good. He's all good. <laughs> another question for the pod in relation to next gen. Something to rather discuss than ask as a direct question. How talented are next gen fighters in the grand scheme of things? For someone like me that doesn't really follow the amateurs um, or or small hall shows, I'm guessing. How good are Josh Kelly, Cheeseman, Cordina, Connor Ben? Um, we all know that Coley and Boatsy are top prospects, but others uh, just get more exposure than Frank's or Goodwin's prospects. Should we take Sky Hype Machine's word that they are future starts? Um, or do you think Terry... Oh, would, would Terry have a different view? So, yeah. Uh, okay, so, so so let me give you the Lawrence Coley story. This will illustrate a point. So you go back to maybe 2014, 2015... Lawrence was a raw guy boxing out of Dagon and Boxing Club. Big guy, boxing Damn. at 91 kilos. And you're like, yeah, give him a couple of years, he'll be a threat. There was a young kid, a friend of mine called Ricardo Slew. And Ricardo Slew was laying waste to everybody at 91 kilograms. Laying waste. Like, Ricardo Slew was, in the amateurs, he's an absolute machine. Um, just a machine... And he goes on to win the ABA title in, if I get this wrong, I'll be embarrassed. I think it's 2015. He goes on, he wins the ABA title, which then, so Team GB say, mate, you've won the ABA title. You need to come to us. We need to see you. You might be the guy that goes to the Olympics. It might have been 2014, never sure. Ricardo just didn't go. Now, knowing Ricardo like I do, you know, he sees a bigger world than boxing. So I'm not surprised he wanted to go to uni and study it. All of that stuff is perfectly reasonable. So when Ricardo said no, there was panic in the GB setup and they didn't know who they were going to pick. So they just said, Lawrence, come down and let's see what you've got. And Lawrence, that, that's his dream come true. So Lawrence just put everything on the line and they said, we can work with you. So that tells you Lawrence wasn't the, the glowing prospect when he went into the GB setup, he wasn't a seasoned guy like Ricardo. Ricardo had five or six years behind him. You know, he should have won the ABAs in 2013, but something happened. Ricardo was a seasoned amateur. 
Lawrence isn't. So when you see him in the pros now, you've essentially got a guy who's who's making a lot of mistakes he should have been making in the amateurs, but he was fast-tracked so much that he never got the opportunity. And congratulations to him because he now has a chance to take care of his friends and his family. Um, you look at the guys like Josh Boatsy was always a threat. So Josh was always a threat, and he's a legitimate prospect because he's done it the right way through South Norwood and victory, winning the ABA title numerous times. And at 81 kilos, dealing with everyone in London, where he, people knew he was the top guy in London, and therefore, I mean, he was the top guy in the country. So those two guys serve as a microcosm. I know Andy gets bored about the, the minutiae of the amateur scene, so I just use those no, guys as a no, microcosm mate. to say... I have to wake I'm him up. gripped at this point. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're, so, so you've, got, you've got those two ends of the spectrum. And then all the guys like Josh Kelly and so forth fit between those. Let's talk about some of the non-matchroom guys. Like Sam Maxwell's now building his momentum up in the north. He's one of the guys. Dean Lang out of Berkeley in the amateur scene. He's another guy. So, you know... There are those guys who do it. And also, don't forget, Josh Taylor did it off the grid as well. So it's very hard to tell who can do what until you start getting hit in the face in 10 or 8-ounce gloves. Um, Senor Tasty, Mick asks, will the awful next-gen shows have a future on Sky Sports? Yes, they will, because they're cheap. <clears throat> like that, that show on Friday night, I know we were just talking about what's the working, running commodity of a, a small hall show. Uh, throw in the production on top of that for uh, a Sky one. But, you know, if we said 25 grand for running the show, maybe, um, and then the purses on top, like that's nothing compared to what you're talking about from the arena show, and it fills a date, and it gets around that little caveat of Eddie Hearn when he said every Saturday night, fight night, will have a world title fight on it. Well, he didn't say that about next-gen shows, did he? So he can run them on the cheap, and it keeps, you know, he can always say that we're keeping the boxing diary fresh. Um, so that was a that was one of his sky dates last night. You know, we talk about how many sky dates Eddie Hearn's got. That was one of them on Friday night. Are we pleased about it? Nah, not at all. But you know, it, it takes away one of his potential dates now, and it's cheap as fuck. Mm. I was going to ask, what happened to the Box Nation Academy? No idea. Because. Because the Box Nation Academy was next gen before, so that's where Daryl Williams was cutting his teeth under Dean Powell. So I think Dean Powell was guiding those guys, but then once he passed away, the whole Box Nation Academy fell to pieces a bit. But they were having their shows in York Hall as well. But I think it was a mix of small hall guys and Warren guys as well. So I, I think that blended model is probably the better way to do it. I don't think it should be a fully matchroom thing. So I think you either have a blended model where you go, I'm going to partner with Steve Goodwin or I'm going to partner with Errol Johnson or partner with Steffi Ball, partner with Dennis Hobson if Eddie Hearn will ever make peace with him, Steve Wood, but, and we're just going to do it that way. But Hearn did this. Or, he did it on Fight Pass, didn't he? And it fell apart. This was what Fight Pass started off as. You had the small hall shows, three promoters, Coldwell, Goodwin, and was it Hobson maybe? I don't know. Um... And that was going to be what you got for your fight pass. Nowadays, you get free T-shirt when you sign up and you get to go in a lottery of potentially getting an Anthony Joshua ticket. And... That's so, so that's what Hearn needs to fix. Good. He needs to fix... He, he legitimately needs to fix next-gen as a proposition. 
define what it's supposed to do, tell us what it's supposed to do, and then, you I mean, find a channel that does it in the least riskiest way possible. Okay, I'm going to move on from next gen now. It's 45 plus minutes. We're talking about next gen. Mate, we're going all night. And I'm, I'm going good. to fucking burn my eardrums out in a minute. Uh, um... <laughs> Hoppy candles. Just let them go all the way in. <laughs> um, Mayweather McGregor. We'll talk about that in a sec, but I want to talk about the undercard. How How did you, my, from my side of things, first of all, how difficult was that fight for Badu Jack? Was that his first a fight at the higher weight. How hard was it to hit a punch bag? <laughs> <laughs> it was really easy. Yeah, okay. Really, really easy. Terry said it before, Badu Jack's a big man. He's a natural 175 fighter. Nathan Cleverly, you know, he retired after that fight. From, you know, <laughs> I think he got paid fairly well for it. I know that it was written down on a bit of paper that he got $100,000 for it. Um, I'd be surprised if that was a figure that he took home at the end of it. He went over there and gave his belt away for a final payday and retired on the back of it. Good luck to him. Like I do yeah. not, I do not begrudge that in the slightest. Same as when Darren Barker went and fought um, Stern when he had the dodgy hip and sold his world title there. I mean, what's the alternative? What do we want as fans? Now, I know we can all say, look, he fucking robbed us all. Anyone that flew over to Germany to watch Darren Barker when he had a dodgy hip against um, Sturm, I feel for you. I really feel... If you were a Nathan Cleverly fan and you went over to Vegas just to watch that fight, believing your man's going to keep his world title and fly back to Wales with it, I feel for you. Because Nathan Cleverly didn't believe that. <laughs> Nathan Cleverly knew he wasn't going to be coming back with that title. You could tell. You could tell from it. But I don't blame him for it on a, on a personal level. I don't blame him for it because I'd have done the same. And I'd have taken that money and I'd have got out of sport. And so I hope, you know, it's a good figure that he can go off and retire on. Um, Terry? Um, everyone knows my views. Um, I think, okay, I in think, that case. Yeah, I think, uh, listen, hold on. No, no. Yeah, you said everyone no. knows. No, <laughs> you know, I need, to, I, I, I need to add, you know, add a little paprika to it. Oh. All right, I'll tune out. <laughs> a bit of Italian minutes. rum, <laughs> Italian brandy. Oh, sorry, um, then set fire to it. <laughs> no, no, let's not do that. <laughs> I think, I, I think Jack is special, and I've never seen. Well, he, he's got that Glenn Johnsonness to him, where it doesn't look flashy. And you're like, I don't know what the hell he's doing. But it works, and it's worked consistently, fight after fight. So let's not do Nathan Cleverly down, and let's also appreciate that his Nathan looked quite good in there. Like when you watch him trying to actually defend himself against the onslaught, he looked reasonably good in there. And so, so, so I thought, I thought, oh, right, the fight got stopped, but Nathan looked good in defeat, and he showed some of our other boxers, you know. That's how I mean. That's how you operate at world level. I mean, you're going to take some shots, but don't take all of them. Um, head it off the floor. Says, what do you make of the Javante G- or Javante Davis debacle? I don't know how you say his name. People say Javante. The less camp version, I think, because uh, that first one was incredible. Javante. It was fabulous. <laughs> Javante Davis. Um, I'm assuming he means the quality of the fight, the fact that he came in overweight. Um, I personally, I thought, I don't mean this to sound uh, disparaging to people that may have obviously watched it and then thought otherwise, but 
I thought a lot of um, any sort of bad opinions of the fight were fed by the commentary. Because the commentary was just like, oh, he's, look at him, look at the state of him, he's not looking sharp. But when I actually watched it, I didn't think it was that bad. Did you see the fight? I did. So I've, I've seen it. My, my, look, I'll, I'll keep my take very simple. When you're a world champion and you come in overweight, there's something really wrong with you. Like, yeah. I don't yeah, believe you I... can be around Floyd Mayweather as much as these guys are and not realize, fucking hell, make fucking weight. Yeah. If nothing else, make weight. Because that shows you're dedicated. Yeah, yeah so, that, that was unacceptable in my opinion, I, I must admit. I don't see how so you everything... could... That's one of the only things you have to do. <laughs> As a professional boxer. It is your job. Yeah. As a world champion. <laughs> yeah. As a world you've, champion. Ju- you, you've just lost your belt, which is now <laughs> going to be fought over by some guy that's 12 and 0 and some fucking idiot from the back of beyond who's got 40-odd fights. We don't know anyone he's fought. And these two idiots are going to fight for a belt you vacated uh, okay. because you couldn't fucking make weight. So dig that's a little fucking deeper. embarrassing. Why has that happened? Ill-discipline. Is Look that... at Broner over the years. Broner's missed weight. I mean, fuck it. If he was in a Weight Watchers class, he'd have been kicked out like so, months back. <laughs> so is it is it the way that um, Mayweather's uh, is it Mayweather negative influence on them? You or? can't blame Mayweather. A man who has made weight in every world title fight for years and years I re- and years. I realise it's not reflective of him, but nah, like it's it's a personal <laughs> discipline. Look, you give these young men loads of money. They become dicks. Broner. <laughs> Potentially Javonta Davis in time. I mean, he's got a hell of an attitude on him. Like, But if we're talking about money and dicks, pretty much every football footballer in the Premier exactly. League. <laughs> exactly. Look, Wayne Rooney's never grown out of it. He's still out on the piss getting in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Nailing chicks in a Land Rover smashed up. Yeah. Like, he's a... Uh, yeah, but... Look at Javonta Davis. Look at his attitude. It kind of stinks a little bit, but the performance in the ring wasn't as terrible, I think, as people are making out it was. Not it was very arrogant. Shot. That was only but, very arrogant. But, but then it was a fight. turning but, up overweight is pretty arrogant. He wasn't going to lose the fight. No. And but there's a, there's a wider thing, isn't there, to this? And it's and I hear it all the time amongst UK boxers. Ah, oh, you know what? I'm just going to do what Floyd does. That's how I'm going to build my career. Anything Floyd does, I do. And I imagine it's the same in the Mayweather camp as well, where these young guys see what Floyd does and they want to eat all the icing and none of the cake. Now, I get really fucking annoyed because there are boxers who tell me this. And I'm like, look, you're less than 15 fights into your career. If you're going to watch Floyd, watch Floyd between 10 and 15 fights. And you tell me what you're doing is representative of what he did. You're, you, I mean, and, and so you, you have this thing where people want to be the, the, the highlight reel Floyd and no one wants to be the workaholic Floyd. And I think Davis and Broner are in that camp as well. For me, if you want to be a fighter, you want to be Floyd, the most important lesson you've got to learn is you leave absolutely nothing to chance. Mayweather weighed in at 149 pounds to fight against Conor McGregor. 149 pounds, five pounds below the limit. He didn't need to, and he knew he didn't need to. But the man that he is, the professional that he is, said, 
I will leave no stone unturned. If I come in at 140, I come in at 140. That's how I'm fighting. And none of these guys have embraced that. Maybe Badui Jack, but even he struggles at the weight. <laughs> to be fair, at least none he's of moved these up. guys. At least he's moved yeah. up yeah. to deal with that. But Davis is like five foot nothing. He yeah. can't move up. Um, Josh Finch asks, how has Billy Joe Saunders been able to keep hold of his world title since 2015 despite making one defence? That's an interesting question, actually, I think. I'd like to know. Frank Warren. Right. I was I was afraid that was the response. I don't know. I don't know. Well, even though I kind of expected it. I don't know what the WBO's rules are. Like, I don't know the intricacies of how often defences have to be made. It's typically you have to have a mandatory once every 12 months and that gets you out of it kind of thing. So, um, the answer, I haven't got a clue. I don't think anyone has a clue in reality. Um, it's a bit of a shambles. But he, he got saved by by the by the gangster guy he tried to box who got arrested. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so what was this about? Kusidzil, who uh, got done for was it? It wasn't trafficking, was it? Something over in New York. He was meant to be fighting him as his mandatory. He beat racketeering. That's it, racketeering in New York. Um, so yeah, that was meant to be his mandatory. So. No, look, I don't have a clue. I don't know what the answer is. All that I know is that, you know, everybody hopes that Billy Joe Saunders can get his career back on track with this Willie Monroe Jr. fight. It's a hard fight. If he comes through it, that should be the stepping stone he needs to start making the most of his career. Which would be... What do you mean? Well, who would he face? Who, who's, who, what targets can he... Canelo who's... Golovkin. He, right, okay. he should be going for the winner of that. Yeah. Or Danny Jacobs. Anyone meaningful. And I mean, Monroe Jr. is meaningful, so I don't have an issue with that. But if he comes through it, then he needs to be going after the elite, not the second. And let's, and, and let's be clear, right? He's fighting a guy in Willie Monroe that they haven't paid enough money to. And this is when people say, why isn't Yard fighting anyone good? I want to come back to this point. Willie Monroe Jr. hasn't got enough money that he can bring his whole team over with him. He's, he's gone cap in hand to sponsors to say, help me out. I know he does a lot of good work with Everlast as well, who sponsor him. So hopefully he can get that those finances sorted but it goes to show there's I mean the Frank Warren side of things isn't that good I don't imagine Eddie Hearn would leave this to chance the way that it's happening Wait, but yeah, good luck yeah there's kind of an element of that that says fair play to Frank Warren like if you've got him for the cheapest available I'm not saying it's morally right I'm not saying it's ethically right but your job as a promoter is to make the most money possible and if that means underpaying so be it. Um, but I, I, good luck to William Monroe Jr. I, I really hope he gives a good account of himself. Absolutely. Because, yes, he's uh, he's not the most entertaining of fighters, so just to set fans' expectations. But my God, is he a good technician. Um, Senor Tasty, uh, I, I, this question is a bit... I don't want to go too deep into this, cause, uh, but I don't also want to dodge it. I think it's important for us to address it. Um do you think the Five Lives, Buncey and Costello were hypocritical by hyping up Mayweather McGregor to justify their BBC paid Vegas holiday? 100%. Oh, okay. Like, this was terrible of the BBC. They were putting out a podcast every single day in the build-up for the week of uh, Mayweather McGregor. <laughs> From restaurants. Yeah, and they were recycling shit they'd already done. So they'd already sent Costello to the gym where uh, McGregor learned to box as a young kid. They just sent somebody else there instead <laughs> and just like asked the same questions. It was terrible. I think 
the same as anyone else who was trying to get a press pass for it and trying to build the numbers up. They had to play the game and hype it up as... By the end, Costello, a man who I've got... like, Don't get me wrong, I listen to their podcast because I have a lot of respect for both of them. And I like Mike Costello a lot. Yeah, yeah, as do I. He yeah. was almost pushing the narrative that like, oh, I'm believing McGregor could... No, I'm not really believing it, but I am believing it. Fuck off. Yeah. Uh, like, that yeah. is atrocious because... You, if you weren't covering it on behalf of the BBC, and if the BBC had no coverage of it whatsoever, no rights to cover it, they would have said exactly what it was. But they didn't because they had those rights and mm. because, therefore, they weren't allowed to say exactly what it was. It was terrible. It was terrible use of the licence fee. It was everything that is wrong with boxing journalism at the top level. I despised it, and I'll continue to despise it. It's pretty frank. Um, what I didn't like... <laughs> was that like they made themselves they put themselves into stupid positions i.e um bunce said uh, at one point he said you can't call this a fight it's not a fight it's an event yep. just the same way as this 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 uh. and then the next minute it was like but i tell you what it's gonna be one hell of a fight or something yeah. <laughs> and then he referred to it I, I, that's not verbatim but then but when he said the verbatim part was the fact that he, he didn't want to refer to it as a fight, it he wanted to refer event. to an event, and then he proceeded to refer to it as a fight. And I thought that was you just nullif- you, everything you've said for the last two minutes has been nullified by your own. They I, let themselves down badly. On and that. I, and Costello, like you say, was like, well, if I had to guess which way this fight was going, I'd say exactly what I've said from the start that Mayweather wins, but McGregor. I know. And you, uh, I, I, I felt. I don't know. I think I don't want to criticize him too badly, but what I, what I felt like, I just felt disappointed. I wasn't angry. I was disappointed. <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt, though. Because, like you, I've got um, infinite respect for the both of those guys. They've obviously been hard slogs through the media circles and boxing for years and years and years. But I felt like stick them in the glitz and glamour of Vegas, and they all went, you know, glaze eyed. And Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Uh, do you have anything to add on that, Terry, or not? Yes. <laughs> Welcome back to the Boxing Voices, your host, Nesta Gibbs. <laughs> Listen, everyone, like, uh, do you know what it's like? I call it the the Viennese blonde principle. I've learned this now in the last 24 hours. <laughs> if you spend time in Vienna... Well tried and tested. <laughs> yeah. If you spend time in Vienna, right, hand on heart, they have... Like, in terms of just, like, straight headshots, they have the best-looking females in Europe. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 hard to, it's hard to mess. Like, honestly, I was, in, I was in a little, and I might have been R. kelly at some point. I'm not going to lie. Hand on heart. That's what happened. But <laughs> What on earth? This is the longest wait, 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 reference. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, what hold about, on. What about Radio 5's podcast? Yeah. <laughs> no, hold on. So, so you're in little. So, I, I don't know. No, no. So what I'm trying to say is, when something becomes so attractive and so appealing, you often forget who you actually are and who you thought. Because <laughs> you just want to break the so, rules. Yeah, not, not even that, but you just want to be involved. Like, I just want to get close to that. I want to be close to <laughs> whatever I have to say. I'm going to get close to that. <laughs> Am I going to find that tart in Mirbold's being in a little? <laughs> I love the fact that in order to prove his point, he's referenced R. Kelly. <laughs> Fucking hell! What a roundabout! This is. <laughs> so, so, so my lungs gone. <laughs> so, so in essence, Steve Bunce, Mike Costello, Adam Smith, R. Kelly, all these, 
all these rational boxing people, R. Kelly probably had um, Ava Knight, Ava Knight, um, probably the Serrano sisters in a basement somewhere, just tied up. Square mile, square mile, square mile. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're friends of ours, Andy. No, no, no. Square mile are friends of ours. All right, okay. Look, uh, the views of this podcast do not represent the views of Square Mile. No, I was square thinking mile. of, the, of the, the lawyers in the Square Mile. <laughs> okay, okay. Just let's be clear about that. You know, they're, they're lawyers too. <laughs> but no, no. So in essence, that's what happened. Everyone got caught up in this hysteria and forgot who the hell they were. Did I'm they sure, though? I'm sure. Did so they? No, no, because, no, because Steve Bunce, and I love Steve to pieces, he's notorious for chasing a pound note. He is. He's notorious for it. You know... If there's a pound note to be found, Bunce will be there sniffing and boxing. And fair play to the guy. That's how he's made a living. Listen to Mike Costello do athletics. Like, Bolt can come third, and Mike Costello will make you think Bolt won. <laughs> he gets caught up in the moment. You know, and, and I, I imagine that if you, once you get caught, you know I mean, if you're in Vegas, you get sucked into all of that nonsense, you know? He was there listening to that guy talk nonsense and crumbling, and I was like, Come on, man. Why are we even having this as a podcast? It's embarrassing. Agreed. But you you get caught up in it. We've all been caught up in it where, Indeed. you know, but we made, we made a conscious decision not to engage in the hype, which is why we missed last week, which is, you know, it's a sign that we stand alone because ultimately we don't make our living doing podcasts. So we'll say what we think and we say what we want. This is what makes us the number one boxing podcast on the planet. And if you don't believe that, Tell me who it is and put them in front of us and see what happens. And let me touch on not making money out of doing podcasts, not making money out of boxing. There are certain people out there. Box in, Raw. There are certain, sorry, sorry. There are certain people out there in the world of boxing that are fucking horrible, that will take your money of hard-earned people, disappear with it, do terrible things with it. Simon Clayton. Playmaker! Simon Clayton, you need to take a long, hard look at yourself. Enough said. Okay. Um, so, so wait, 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 wait. Just oh. to touch on that quickly. Uh, that's probably that's a good it, idea. Is it going to be an? Is it going to be another Ben Doughty thing where he just becomes mates with everyone again? I know. Six months says, time. Sorry. Six months time. People forget that he's robbed. The running total is allegedly forty k. People should not have short memories about this. People should hold no, him to account. Tickets, dude. Fucking terrible. tickets, money, everything. The guy, the guy. Look, and 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 this is the thing about boxing: the bullshit sells in boxing. And if you can sell the most bullshit and you're remotely visible, people just buy into it because they want to tell their mates they're connected to it. I, I'm sure if I went around with a t-shirt of me and David Hay, and they go, "Look, you guys give me a hundred quid, I'll get you lunch with David Hay." I'd make ten grand, and then I mean, well, I'd fuck up to Vienna and finish what I started. There's a very good chance you've already got that T-shirt, Terry. So uh, it's not like you're gonna have to go and get it printed. This is part of his no, 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 no. I've got the David in the onesie. One. That's my special one. <laughs> I wonder where his head is. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! Um... Little zip. <laughs> um. Right. Sorry. Everyone, listen to this for the last hour. Um, Mo Hassan asks, what do you think of the Joe Joyce rumoured debut fight against Ian Lewison? Is it too early? 
Great fight. Great debut fight. Ian Lewison, we've said it before on this podcast and we were wrong at the time because he didn't turn up in shape for the Dillian White fight. If he turns up in shape for this, it is a great debut fight for Joe Joyce. People have asked, is Joe Joyce good enough for the pros? This is a great way to find out. Ian Lewison over three, four rounds, one of the most dangerous heavyweights in the UK. If Joe Joyce survives those three, four rounds or puts, you know, if he puts damage onto Ian Lewison himself in those three, four rounds, makes a huge statement. Who's happy to see Anthony Fowler, an Olympian himself, go out and fight Latvians? We've said it before, we'll say it again. I don't want to see that from Olympians. What I want to see from Olympians is fighting a man who fought for the British title only one or two fights back. Like, this is a brilliant debut fight. Um, I have a, a quick question. If Ian Lewison comes in um, in shape in, for Ian Lewison... How much lighter would he be from when I saw him against Dillian White? Because I hadn't seen him about, for about three grams. Oh, really? So it wasn't that hour shape then for the Dillian White fight. Look, look. Um, Even though he looked like he had two flapjacks hanging from his chest. <laughs> Ian's not going to drop weight. I just, I just don't think he's at that point in his life where he wants to go through the motions of doing that. This is a great fight because. It means we don't have to watch Joe Joyce against all these guys like Nick Webb and whoever. No AJ Carter fights. He just bypasses all of the dross. Yep. And he goes, I'll beat Ian Lewiston. I can legitimately call out a Chisora or a Dillian White. Yeah. Imagine you go in your first two fights, you go Lewiston, Dillian White. Can you imagine that? But what I can see happening is up in Scotland, you've got Gary Cornish versus Sam Sexton for the British heavyweight title. Joe Joyce, if he comes through Ian Lewis and takes him out, calls out the winner of Gary Cornish, Sam Sexton, takes the British title in his second fight, and then he goes for someone like a White or Chisora. So, so at this point, I'll go back to a conversation with Richard Schaefer. No, and, that's, and, and, and we're talking about Tony Yoka, and they said about Tony Yoka, we're matching him hard. He's an Olympian. He's an elite-level athlete who, if he can't do six to eight rounds now, what has he been doing his whole career? What training has he been doing? So that's why they matched him quite tough in his debut. And, you know, he made it look easy, but nominally that was a tough fight. They're doing the same with Joey Joyce. So this ring star model, which is... Let's avoid the dross, get to a certain level and consolidate. So I think once Joe Joyce gets to British level, he'll consolidate where he'll go, let me, let me, let me fight a couple of mandatories, a couple of challenges before he kicks on another level. Which is And then fine. he'll go, right. Yes, perfectly fine. But I love the fact that these haymaker guys are just avoiding the dross. Yep. That's brilliant. Um, the Boxing Madman asks... Do you think that a world heavyweight title fight should be almost sold out three weeks before? Uh, Fury versus Parker has loads of tickets left. Is it bad promotion? Look, I'm a huge fan of the Fury team, but this is getting really hard to swallow. So we're recording this Sunday, and apparently on Monday, uh, Hennessy Sports are going to be announcing who the broadcast partner is. There is no broadcast partner announced at present, unless you listen to this after they've done so. Uh, it's embarrassing. Um, How can you have the the MEN, they've shut the top tier of it, and then presumably with the idea that you squeeze everybody down, 
and yet you haven't squeezed everybody down. You've just not really sold it. Um, the, the whole thing is pretty horrible. Like they need to pull something out over these next three weeks, um, or else someone's probably getting injured before the fight. So I, 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 I I've, I've watched this from afar. Um, you know, shouts out to at Big Vern forty six. I know he's really high on this fight. As am I, because I think this is a legit fight. Uh, these are two guys at the right stage in their careers to fight each other. And I think if you are a boxing fan, you should watch this. I'm not going to say you should go and watch it, but you should definitely watch this because it's an important fight. For me to tell you to go and watch it, you need to give me an event. And the Fury Camp are not good at creating the event. Mick Hennessy is a bit of a ostrich with his head in the sand about how to actually create an event. I'm bored of people telling me these are two good boxers going at it. Give me a reason. Like, I mean, have the Happy Mondays do a concert at the way. Just do something that says what well, I can engage the fans. But, Ian Brown, I don't, I don't care what you do. That should not be the Fury team's job. The end, their job is to get Huey Fury ready to fight and get him out there. Like, what the... F- Fucking hell is Mick Hennessy doing in this? Someone answer that Real, question. Realising he's irrelevant, man. Where's Dennis Hobson when you need someone with ideas? Yeah. Yeah. You know, where where that old school, you know, like like and I know people give Dennis Hobson a hard time in the sport now, but they forget who Hobson's had. And Hobson's had ideas. Like he had his hands in the Ricky Hat and Mayweather thing. He was there. He brought the the Northern Band, you know what I mean? Like when there was the band doing, there's only one Ricky Hatton. Dennis Hobson's idea. I mean, so this is a guy who understands what it takes to make an event. And then you got Mick Hennessy going, yeah, well, it's a world title fight. It should sell itself, really. I'm just going to go back to my flat in my bed and just sun myself a bit. I, I just think yeah. back to the last, was it the last televised show that he did? I'm not sure. The one where he had, uh, I think it was Lenny Dawes fighting as the headline act. Lenny Dawes. Was it? I think that was it. And he had the press conference in what looked like the toilet of an Indian takeaway. It was an absolute... fucking sliding doors, more like. <laughs> it was a shambles. Fuck. Uh, right. Let's move. Well, well, we're like one hour fifteen in, aren't we? We should probably <clears throat> skip through some of these questions. We're well, gonna... nah, nah. We're going. We're going all night, man. Until this bottle's done, we're going all night. Yeah, well, I'd love to, Terry, but some of us actually got to go to work tonight, so that's not going to happen. Oh, look, you love that now, don't you? I've got to go to work now. Yeah, that, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I love. What I'd love is to be able to go, oh, Mayweather McGregor, what a close fight. Send me to Vegas. Yeah. That's what I'd we love to blow do. Your... <laughs> but, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, I've got to go and work. So. Yeah, well, you weren't blowing your compo and strip clubs and stuff. <laughs> Um, Mo Hassan asks, "What do you think of Billy Joe Saunders' rapid weight loss? Do you think it's PEDs?" <laughs> <laughs> say it like it is, mate. <laughs> wow, I don't think anyone's legally allowed to say that, are they? Ask the lawyer. Ah, wow. Um, so what we can say is, this has been an atypical camp from Billy Joe Saunders. We haven't seen him this in shape this quickly before. I would imagine when you work with Jimmy Tibbs, you're covering all bases. And it seems that now that you've switched trainers, all of a sudden there are new influences that are coming in. Could you run any more than you did before? Not based on what you say. Could you train any harder? Not based on all your previous interviews. So what have you done? 
that has allowed you to strip the weight so quickly because if you have this this fat stripping diet mate you know what i mean sell it because we remember what you were like when you were running in Marbella overweight you know um it is I'm a mystery sure, well well look at dominic ingle with his with his tinder pictures you know what i mean so so we, we've touched on this before haven't we where we've said when you have a concentration of athletes seemingly delivering the impossible and it's not being reflected anywhere within a 20-mile radius of where they are, you have to start asking questions. Not that I'm asking questions. I'm just saying others might choose to ask questions and that is their right as citizens of the fair country of the United Kingdom okay. and Northern Ireland. All right, let's, let's get out of this horrible quagmire. Um <laughs> British boxing blog asks Dirty as fuck. Fuck Billy Joe Saunders avoiding <laughs> cunt. Oh god. I used fuck to love that. having a podcast. You've just spent five minutes skirting <laughs> And then bam. Yeah. Well, you can tell Terry's like in bed, can't you? <laughs> Bit of foreplay. Nibble the fingers, then bang, straight up the back passage. <laughs> I'm done. Um, British... it, it, it's why I had to stab Kel. <laughs> <laughs> nibble, nibble, nibble. Up the Aris. British boxing blog asks, Margarito, Why? Uh, he was fighting Carson Jones, wasn't he, last night? And one on a... <laughs> uh, was it someone got cut? Carson Jones got robbed. Uh, Margarito. It, 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 it was the most weird fight. It's a weird fight. So those who know me well know I'm a Margarito mark. I'm a real sucker for Margarito. So I, I just love the fact that when he's not boxing, he's probably an enforcer for, for someone in the Sinaloa cartel. I love the fact that... Normal rules don't seem to apply to him. But I, I did watch this fight, and it was painful to watch because Carson Jones was just battering him. Okay, Carson was a bit reckless with the head, and he lost the point. I think it was in the fifth round for headbutting. But Margarita had no power, no pop in his punches, no menace. And I watched the fight. I thought the fight got stopped because he quit on his stool. And then the ref was like, no, I'm stopping the fight because your eye's not safe. You're going to the scorecards. And the scorecards were like 68, 64, 67, 65, 67, 65. Which was, I thought, was just a bit harsh on Carson Jones, man. He was he was bossing that that second phase of the fight. And it was going to stop him eventually. But you can't Because Margarita had nothing. You can't stop a Margarito fight because his eye's not safe. Because you'd never start a Margarito fight on that basis. Because his eye's, yeah, exactly. It, it, it was... It was bullshit, but but it was a great atmosphere though. It it, it evoked all the memories of York Hall though. It was like it was just like a Mexican York Hall with just yeah. loads of it was just fucking like everyone from narcos just went down to watch boxing. Arriba <laughs> Um Robert Smith oh sorry. Um L Pool J asks Robert Smith has said the delay with the Tyson Fury hearing is that the board are waiting to hear from the Fury's legal team so they can reconvene. Do you think he's guilty? I would add to this, if he is, if he was guilty, right, would they then just um, pass his sentences like you've got, a, you've got to have a, I don't know, a year's ban of boxing, but you've already served that, so... 
I don't discuss people that have retired. It's my new rule. <laughs> Tyson Fury's retired, therefore, what ban are you talking? Maybe you it's just a spelling error. You can't. Just admitting you can't ban retired. a man who's retired. So no, it's not happening. Whoa, 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 whoa! Linford Christie got banned, and he was a coach. Nah, no. I'm... So, so, um, no, so, so, no. so the thing with Landrelon, I'll, I'll keep this brief, but Landrelon's very, very complex because you can have the metabolites for Landrelon having never taken a steroid in your life. So you could actually so have only if you've eaten a pig or something. Well, you could have a pig. The, the metabolites for nandrolone exist naturally in so many different sources that you can accumulate those, and you could just be a guy that doesn't do anything. Mm. You could be overweight, and and you could pop. I'm not saying he. How has. likely is that? Because, like, the, for example, you can get cyanide from apple pips, but you'd have to eat about four tons of apple pips in order to, you know, do you know, do you know what okay, I mean? yeah, no, 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 that I agree with. But if you remember. It takes 18 months for those metabolites that trigger an andalone response to leave your body. So how much meat can you eat in 18 months? You can eat a fair, a fair amount of meat in 18 months. So it's very That's hard to bring the levels down. So <laughs> I, I don't... I... That's, uh, that's a lot of no, pork. No, so, so... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pork sausage. <laughs> Swallowing it whole. <laughs> Sorry, just in case nobody's worried about what we're talking about, we'll just carry on. We'll yeah, force but, but, it down your throat. Uh, so, so in essence, you're sat in a legal quagmire because the test is designed to pick up the metabolites in urine. You know, if if you look at look look look, John Jones pop for he he popped for Turinabol, right? And what I find interesting is the rumors that are circulating in the combat community where they're saying. USADA basically had a test to capture it in urine, but not blood, or something like that. It was either blood or urine. There, they had one test where they could capture it, and they found a way of doing it for both, and they didn't tell anyone. So everyone had been going around going, "Yeah, you can take this Turinabol stuff." Yeah, if they ask for if they ask for blood, you'll be cool. If they ask for piss, you're fucked. So just offer for the blood test, you'll be fine. But USADA didn't tell people actually we can capture it in blood. Now. How unfair! Is so, <laughs> exactly. So, so John Jones was popped, and he was like, "Shit, I wasn't supposed to pop," which made a lot of the MMA guys nervous. Now, so you'll see, Turinabol will fall away. It's the same thing with Nandrolone. People are just aren't touching Nandrolone because it's a horrible steroid to take. It's it's good because its androgenic effects are quite low, so you don't get the acne, you don't get the side effects, but the metabolites take eighteen months to come out. Shouldn't we talk too much about this because they're probably boxers listening going, nah, get away with that. But in essence, it's a it's 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 a legal minefield because there are reasonable cases to be made for it was an accumulation of metabolites from various sources of meat that trigger the test. Right. And I don't think you can to doping have a credible counter on. Move us along, Andy. Okay, last question. Uh, I, we 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 run out of time. We've so... got a question, didn't we? We've got tons of other questions, but I have to go to well, work. Let's do them quick. Let's do them quick. Go, go, go. Hey, guys. It would be cool if you could all give your final thoughts on Floyd's career now that he's done. Done brilliantly. <laughs> best ever. Without question, best ever. Ali's a great... I mean, Ali's greater, but that's not about boxing. As a boxer, Floyd Mayweather's without peer, without equal. Do not even try and challenge me on that. Thanks. 
How many thousand free tickets will the World Boxing Super Series give away for their first oh. televised show? Instead of this, let's go and ask the question because you've got uh, Usyk versus Huck this weekend. Uh, from what I understand, there are two potential channels, both of which um, have a T in them that could be showing the World Boxing Super Series. Wait and see if the World Boxing Super Series ever publish how much they've sold the rights for this competition to. Wait and see if it ever comes out. Wait and see if it's ever declared. Guarantee you they don't. I guarantee you nobody ever finds out officially. Because from what I hear, they've had a lot of problems getting a broadcaster on board for this. So they have lowered and lowered and lowered their asking price to X amount. Uh, see if it ever comes out. But I imagine this will sell in Germany, though. They've already announced the German TV um, broadcaster, and it's not RTE. It's one that I wasn't actually aware of. Um, I should have checked. Mo Hassan asks, um, what do you believe is next for Jeff Horn, Bradley Skeet? Um, how do you believe the, flight, the fight will pan out? Bradley Skeet will suddenly find out there's a difference between fighting Dale Evans and fighting Shane Singleton and then going in the ring against a man who's beaten Manny Pacquiao. He might fight Anthony Mundine, man. Like, I can just imagine them just finding a reason Anthony Mundine will miraculously get down to 147 and he'll fight Anthony Mundine. Well, crikey, you keep me on the flat-footed here. I'm not used to it being so succinct. You asked us. No, that's great. Craig Fightalk asks, is 2017 the best year of boxing in the last 20 to 30 years? We kicked off with Frampton and DeGale in mega fights, and we've had a steamroll through AJ Klitschko, Brooke Spence Jr. We're having Golovkin and Canelo coming up, amongst many, many more. Shuli Loma, Chenko versus uh, Riga Rigandau. Yeah. Um, caps it as our best year. It would be a fantastic year. Like very rarely do you see that many of the top fighters in their divisions come together. Uh, last couple of years have been pretty poor. Best in the last twenty years, possibly. I'm sure somebody else will pull up other good years, but it's been a very good year. Like let's not compare it backwards or compare it forwards or anything like that. Like let's just accept that it's been phenomenal and hope that we get Lomachenko Riga. It's been good for fans. I don't think it's been good in terms of you know significant events. Boxing market has changed a lot. So they're having to... Ju- it's, it's like a fire sale at the moment, isn't it? You're just getting all your big acts in while you can, so you can get the money while you can. In about three years' time, then, this money won't be around anymore. Let's enjoy it. Um, with Billy Joe Saunders living in, Cag- living in Kig Galahad's loft, what current world champion would you want living in your loft? Gary Saunders asks. Wow. Um, fuck knows. Uh, I wouldn't want Javonna Davis because he'd be too heavy. He'd keep like missing weight and falling through the loft. Well, I suppose he's not technically a. Oh, he's not a world champion, champion is he? That's a fair point. Because he is too fat. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. AJ, he can be my protection for when this podcast goes out and we get chased. <laughs> Terry? I don't know. I don't know if she won the world title. I hope she did in Taipei. <laughs> Sylvia Hoffman. I think Sylvia Hoffman. She doesn't box. She wait next, but Sylvia Hoffman. Why do you want her to? She's the world champion. She reads good bedtime stories. <laughs> what, do you, what do you guys make of the IBF forcing Crawford to vacate? 
Crawford said today that he is going up to 147, I think. He's tweeted something uh, just today about it. So I think, you know, if they're going to force his hand, then he's going to, you know, take it upon himself to move up. And that's cool. It's bullshit. Deep down, isn't it? It, 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 I've I've had a skin full of this. Like, just when we get to a point where we're like, there's one guy who's the man in the division, the IBF have to go, well, we're going to scatter the belts again because it's fun to do that, isn't it? And they just do that continuously, just scatter the belts. Do you know what? It's time we just realise no one gives a shit about these belts. They don't mean anything. One of those... And if, you're, if you're a guy that keeps quoting rankings and mandatories, fuck you. One of those belts will end up on the uh, winner of Crawler versus Burns, I reckon. Uh, that was from DJ Boxing Blog. Um, uh, out of Matchroom's Rio 2016 prospects... Who do you think will be the first to win a world title? And who do you think will be the first to lose from Addy Burden? Maybe. Addy, uh, fighter, yeah. Um, oh, he's out Apologies, soon. Apologies, October, I think. Um, good lad. Out, out like Kel Brook or just out in action? No, no, just out <laughs> out in the ring, I was about to say, but then that could be misinterpreted. He's out in a boxing ring. <laughs> uh, uh, first to lose I'm going to go with Anthony Fowler because I think they're going to rush him quite hard and I think they'll find out that he maybe isn't cut out for it but I think that'll only be because they push him quite diff- uh, you know, into difficult fights early on first to win a world title Don't, I haven't thought about this Terry? I think, I think Fowler loses first I'll rephrase that I'm praying Fowler loses first <laughs> I- I I think Josh Kelly to win a title. I was going to go one one fifty four. They'll put Kelly. Out, I was going to say I, I can't see him doing it at welterweight. He would be my pick, but yes, yeah. it's, it's too hard a division. One fifty four. I can see there's a way to nick a belt. I don't think you can at one four seven. Um, it's tricky, isn't it? Because, cause, like, I look at Joshua now. Joshua was the first to win a world title. He didn't deserve that, man. They just paid for it. You know, really, they paid for it. The rest of the guys, just I, I, that 2012 intake, are just degenerates, really, aren't they? <laughs> they are. Okay, um, they are. that is... I mean, we, we have the rest of the questions that we have. Apologies to anyone that we haven't... There was one that I quite liked. Nah, How long have we got? Nah, nah, we've got, we've got, yeah, we've some got time. time. But some of them are so time. long-winded, mate. <laughs> Nah, I don't care. I'm gonna I don't find care. One. Uh, Keep it spinning. Keep it spinning. <laughs> uh, right, where are we at? I'm losing the will to live. This one. I like this one. Oh. But I can't remember who it's from. Right, well, that's brilliant. Okay, so from Anonymous, or whoever you are, apologies that you're not Anonymous. You yeah, probably do no, have a name. What happens is I screenshot it, but I screenshotted the whole question. It hasn't got your name against it. So I, I have. So Mystery Man says... Let me cut this down, because I know you you don't like the long ones, do you? Well, it's like sending you questions oh, on Twitter. Go. Nah. Oh, I've, I've got, a, moan. Have I've a, got moan. a long question, so I'll just take a picture and send... like. All right, fine. I'm not. I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm just. I'm feeling the pressure because I've got like literally an hour before I got to leave for work, and I right. still got to eat and shower and oh, shit. Oh shit! Ah. <laughs> Terry, you've got an amateur star, a GB elite level, multi-time national champion, uh, has zero credibility outside of boxing, and is a slow ticket seller. Uh, Martin, you have a potential hype job, a social media slut, <laughs> very popular fighter, can fight a bit, but is very raw. Has something there, but needs guidance. How would you manage and mould their careers? 
you want me to go first? Go to Yes. Him. Cool. So, the first thing I'd have is I'd just have the kid off the grid for a year sparring everybody. Like, if we had to get in the car, we'd drive to whoever we had to spar. Why? Because when they talk about you, you don't have to talk for yourself. And if you look at what Daniel Dubois has done, he's done that, hasn't he? We, we know Daniel Dubois now. Well, the, the casual fan knows Daniel Dubois now because they're like, I heard he stood Joshua on his head. Or I heard he gave Isaac Chamberlain trouble. I heard he, we, we know him in reference to other fighters who we respect. So that's the first thing. Just keep him off the grid for a year. Teach him the good habits. Get him sparring people and causing havoc. Then he's already got a profile. And then you just manage him carefully. I like what they're doing with Joe Joyce, where they're like, well, let's avoid the dross if you're good enough. Just fight someone who isn't good over the distance, but has enough of a name threat that we can build off that. And that's how I'd do it with, a, with someone like that. I'd invest in someone like a Portobello PR to do the PR stuff and the social media behind the scenes, you know, pal up with a, you know, an organization that could get sponsorship, maybe a JFB Sports. You know, just make sure that I put the infrastructure around the fighter that he only has to fight. Everyone else will do the the talking, the messaging, the management for him. Well, Martin, just to re re. Uh, I have my potential the, hype job. What a social do. media slut. Yeah, so I get them onto everything. Like I teach them how to sing, and they go on X Factor. <laughs> I teach them how to dance, and they go on Strictly. I teach them everything. They ain't boxing for 18 months. And in that time, they're going to learn so many... They're going to be on Bake Off. Are you going to let them go to Tenerife? <laughs> yeah, they can go to Tenerife. They're going to go and open clubs out there. They're going to be on Love Island. There is everything. And then when they eventually get to box, they're just going to go around and I'm going to sweep up everyone who's 4-0 in the small hall circuit that's shit. Like, I'm not taking the good <laughs> ones. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to get somebody to filter them out. Um... And yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna do that for about another twelve years until they're forty nine and oh. And then when they're fifty and oh they start calling out like the Vladimir Klitschko's of the day. Yeah, yeah. Um they're gonna be forty nine and oh. They've fought the same person eighteen times in that period, but they've been on Love Island and Bake Off. And then for their fiftieth fight, I'm gonna get an area level title. And that'll be the <laughs> That'll be their first fight over more than six rounds. And then, like, they're going to be an undefeated champion, 50 and 0, and then I'm going to retire them. Right. Done. Andy, I realise you're very tight for time. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. Oh, well, you want to speak about the Goodwin show coming out this weekend? All uh, right, now I'm down there. I've mentioned it earlier. Uh, cracking little card, actually. You've got an English title fight of Liam Conroy versus John McIntyre. John McIntyre... Trained by John Murray, good man, who was out doing the Amelia May Foundation, raising money for children that suffer from neuroblastoma. Um, he was doing that last night, so a lot of names uh, at their annual ball. Hopefully raised loads of money for quality charity. Um, but yeah, Joel McIntyre fighting on that um, as a British title eliminator for his English title. Undercard, there's uh, Leon McKenzie versus Cello Render. Cello Render, who's quite, you know, he goes by the name of Dangerous Cello Render. Decent fire. Plenty of names on the undercard that people hope. Double knockout. Go watch this double knockout. Yes. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, plenty of names on the undercard. York Hall, Saturday night. I'll be there. Go down. Get yourself a ticket. It'll be a good fight. Uh, good night. Um, but yeah, that was it, really. Just a shout out for that. Terry, do you have anything else to add? 
dangerous. I bear witness there's only one God, Muhammad, blesses peace be upon him as his prophet. I want to dedicate this podcast to my man, Daryl Baum. I miss him. I love him. Oh, man. I tell you what? 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 Is that it? We're done. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I needed that. Right, smashing. Thank All you good. very, very much for listening. Wait, I... have fun at work tonight. Yeah, thanks. If we that. didn't get your question in, I apologise sincerely. We're slightly time restricted. When, uh, when we first started this this pod, um, this is the first time I've had uh, the new setup with Terry on a remote. Yes. Uh, and I've got cables running It won't on the be a floor. regular thing. The lights are now off. It's got really dark. It does. It looks like a Tenerife hotel and room. And I am expecting to trip over some wires and smash my face off of a counter of some sort. So. <laughs> You're not a Carl Frampton opponent. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, so, um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, this week has definitely fulfilled the unpolished look. Because uh, we... we have anything been anything but polished this week? This is our uh, this is our warm up for the season. You know, this is our straight, run-up. pre-season. Yeah, yeah. this is yeah. yeah straight Gonzo. This is this is Gonzo, isn't it? <laughs> You've been North Korea today, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you are just testing nuclear warheads just everywhere. Chaos, absolute <laughs> chaos from start to finish. Um, Making threats and fulfilling them. Well, enjoy your um. Your meal tonight with the two hotties that you've met on Italian Tinder. That's right, yeah? No, mate, just literally just buying fucking peach nectar. Was it Lidl? Uh, Carrefour, (laughs) French Lidl. Have have a a nice dinner with your two six-year-olds you met in Lidl. (laughs) Because you just got to get involved. Our Kelly set the tone. Our Kelly said it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Right. I think that's it, isn't it? Wow. Wow. Least Sorry, professional we... podcast <laughs> in history. Okay. Uh, and and uh, like, uh, I'm going to be at work all night, so frankly, this won't get posted. So even though you won't hear this, retrospectively, apologies that you stayed up until midnight waiting for me to publish this, because <laughs> yeah. I won't. So so don't don't tweet me on Sunday, people, saying where's the podcast. Mm. Right. I don't know. We didn't we didn't discuss Dom Ingle, did we? But we didn't need to. I think the pictures spoke for themselves. The pictures are out there. Just look up Don Ingle. <laughs> Tinder. Oh. Who did he send that to though? Or did he just post it to go look at me? I don't know, and I, I frankly wish I'd never seen him. Kel. He's in his account. Right. You ready for out. camp? <laughs> <laughs> He's meant to be the good influence. Oh, shit. Uh, right. right, okay, that's Let's it. We're, we're babbling now. Let's as, get out. Uh, oh. usual, I suppose. Uh, well, right, okay. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Get in touch with that New Age Boxing UK. Yes. At The Seven Wolves and at New Age Podfather. Uh, spread the word. Retweet as you wonderful people always do. Uh, I encourage you to do that again. Thank you very much um, for all the, for the retweets you have done to this date. Um, yeah. Thank you again, Square Mile, for uh, getting us out, getting uh, spreading the word. And that really is it. I'm done. We done. We out. We out. We're done. Bye. <laughs>